The Athletic. Totally football show today. Classic, classicer, and a classic comedy collapse by Chesney and Co. We talk madness in Marseille, Ajax, Banjax, plus what Harry Kane did next, Barca's Jawa power, and finally a decent performance from Alvaro in the Madrid derby. It's the Totally Football Show. Tuesday, 26th of September, and yes, Alvaro Romeo is here hola. with us. All right, Alvaro, hola. Also, uh, Rafa. Rafael Honigstein. Good morning, James. Good morning. Something important you'd like to share with the rest of us there? Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> James Horncastle. Hello, Jimbo. Oh, hi, James. And Julian Laurence, who's Bonjour. in a very sunny mood this morning. Oh, always, you know, after Pascal. winning Classic. We yeah. are teaching some French songs. Mm. Yeah, no, go on. Le Marseille. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, well, I mean, a, a big weekend for PSG. For everyone, I think, to be fair. Oh, yeah? Mm. There's weekends where someone, one of the four of us, have something bigger than others, but it feels like... <laughs> I this, beg your pardon? This week... <laughs> it's rarely you. <laughs> uh, this, this week, it feels like, you know, right. everywhere. Yeah, James getting in early with a snigger, and we haven't even got on to... Uh, Liga with outstanding breasts on top. <laughs> <laughs> that was my moment of the weekend. So, yeah. oh, is yeah, it? Get ready. Nice. Is it? All right. Yeah. Well, without any further ado, Julian Laurence, the floor is yours. My moment of the weekend, James, is uh, Steve Mooney's goal in the 87th minute for Brest against Lyon at the weekend, which meant that Brest took mm. the lead and became the league leaders. In Got Liga. big points for Brest. Big points for Brest. Right. Yeah. They were really good. Again, I mean, Lyon are dreadful. Fabio Grosso has a lot of work on his hands, to right. be fair. And for a first game, it was pretty pathetic. Mm. He benched Cherky, uh, but overall, even with Cherky on the pitch, I think... Does Brest he have beef Cherky? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he might have, but we don't know yet. Next week, it's the comedy classic, Nice Breast. <laughs> <laughs> nice Breast. You know, if you read now, it, it's really funny. It's funny. And now <laughs> we don't have Saint-Etienne anymore, of course, as us, I, as oh, James yeah. likes to call them. Yep. Yeah. I in the second division, so no more breast against us. Yeah. Nice breast, yeah, at the weekend, we should be, should be good, to be fair. <laughs> should be nice. Listen, I'm so sorry. Is that, that's all the, the breast humour, is it? Or? I mean, it's usually you and Hon- Honigstein and Horncastle who do the pants. Well, not, well, not me so much. Busy texting um, someone. I haven't done this since the late noughties. Really? <laughs> 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 Excellent. All right. Well, that was a great moment of the weekend. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Uh, was James Horn. Very exciting. Yeah. Probably Victor Ozyman's substitution, James. Ooh. Ooh. Just pointing two. two at Rudy Garcia. Sort of dissent. I think reading between the lines, Ozyman wanted Rudy Garcia to go with two strikers. Was it two or was it an inverse V sign? It was not. He did not flip him the bird. Right. But you bring the bird. Yeah. It's, it's oh. top gunism. Uh, uh, Sorry, yeah. I'm not familiar with that. Um, but yeah, bit of dissent there. Not going well for Rudy. Right. Ex Marseille man. Yeah. But yeah. Elion, that's why. A nil no draw away at Bologna and Rudy Garcia committing the Cardinal Sinner taking off both Aussie men and Cavaschelia. Yeah, and Cavaschelia the week before in Genoa had not taken kindly to being substituted either. Mm. And Borrowed time for Rudy. Aurelio De Laurentiis, the Napoli owner, put out a tweet, like at full time of the nil-nil, saying that uh, our season starts here, uh, almost as if he just wanted to nip this descent in the bud very quickly. Uh, but, yeah, Ozyman missed the penalty. And, yeah, Napoli still create a lot of chances. They're hitting the woodwork quite a lot this season, but certainly a few grumbles mm. uh, going on there. All right. Alvaro, no grumbles for Atleti. Oh, but what's your moment of the weekend? And, uh, well, Atleti and uh, Athletic, because sometimes Ooh, yeah. we have to talk. We have to add an extra letter. The original. Yeah, the original. Mm. The one that is also in Champions League spots. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, my moment of the weekend happened on Friday uh, because it was Spain, the women's team, playing against Sweden. And uh, not only they won that game after some difficult hours, the players admitted that they didn't sleep a lot because they were still in negotiations with the Spanish FA uh, and with the Committee of Sports of Spain, just uh, trying to trigger some changes that finally are happening. 
and the moment of the weekend is probably the Spanish and Swedish players uh, holding a banner together before the game that uh, said se acabó, it's over, you know. Mm, hopefully all those bad uh, practices that uh, were installed in the Spanish FA are over forever. All right, well, I'm not sure if they'll be over quite yet, but certainly it's begun. Well, uh, definitely we have had uh, number one last week, Andreu Camps, who was the executor of all the Rubiales ideas, uh, was sacked to start with, which was a good idea. And, you know, Alexia Putellas uh, has become the leader of the Spanish side, not only footballistically, because he's uh, the current Ballon d'Or, but also because uh, she started explaining why the, the players uh, were so angry as well. And she gave a few examples. For example, when all the sides are traveling with a plane or their opponents are traveling by plane, sorry, uh, to play a football game, sometimes they have to travel by bus. Uh, you know, then the, the chart or the organigram of the Spanish uh, pyramid uh, doesn't have like a mirroring um, in the women's side, meaning that less people uh, are uh, in charge of them. Uh, you know, uh, obviously it's less professionalized. So hopefully this changes will happen soon. Excellent. All right. Some nice, uh, some nice moments of the weekend. There. Anybody else got one? I've got two, James. Two from the same game. Is that okay? Is that, of course, uh, Rafa. Is that allowed? Two moments of the weekend then. Two moments of the weekend from the same game. One, a very, uh, very sweet James, one. James, my moments of the weekend. <laughs> no, James. Oh. I'll do it my way. Okay. Yeah. The first moment is a lovely little vignette. Mm. Uh, Savi Simmons mm. was um, oh, yeah, that, yeah, at right. uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach when he was a kid mm. in the Barcelona Academy seven years ago and took a photo with the mascot, Junter, the foal. And he re... Uh, how do we say uh, reacted. 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 Yeah. No, he reenacted. Reenacted. Yeah, but do it your way. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You're big enough. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. That's how we're gonna play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Partisan. Okay. Oh, shots I, I mean, fired. I don't want to say who, but yeah. someone asked me how was the Europa League highlight show on TNT, <laughs> right? Someone that might be in this room might not be, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so I said, it was good, it was this, it was that, yeah. you know, everything. And then he said, how many names got James, James got wrong? No, I only transposed <laughs> one name. One, one little name. Which one was that? How many games were there? How many players <laughs> yeah, were there? Yeah, 92 games. Yeah, yeah it was a long time. A but you did players. really well, considering the circumstances. Anyway, just to finish that story, Xavi <laughs> Simmons reenacted yeah. that photo you had with Junta seven years later now that he's a grown man playing for Leipzig and it's very very sweet to see those two juxtaposed but from the same game perhaps more importantly James mm. 161 days mm. more than five months yeah. a certain Timo Werner scored a goal and that's vielleicht come jetzt haben sie eine Unordnung drin Simons vorne rein auf Werner 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 vorbei Werner oh, kommt nicht zum Did he mean it? He meant it. Oh, yeah. Um, Was it a hard chance? He kind of overplayed it. He went round the keeper. Did you see the goal? Yeah, I saw the goal. He went round the keeper, but went, went too far. And then from a tight angle, he smashed it into the inside of the wide post. Actually, very nice finish yeah. in the end. Yeah. Mm. Great tough, moment. Great Absolutely. moment for German football. There you go. Very nice. We'll be hearing more about German football ever so soon, but we're going to begin in Spain. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Abro Morata ta 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 with a brace there. As Atletico Madrid beat Real Madrid 3-1. Crikey, Alvaro Romeo, how unexpected was this and how did it happen? It was unexpected because I think that Atletico winning a derby against uh, Real Madrid and against Ancelotti is not such a novelty because it has happened in the past quite a lot. In well, only two no, times one, in the yeah. last 15. That was yeah, one but, in 14 uh, before. But right, uh, yeah. against Ancelotti, it's and more common. that, it was... <laughs> so, against <laughs> Ancelotti, it's more common because um, mm. the only manager that has beaten Ancelotti more than Simeone is Spalletti. Okay. So, that's number one. And number two, in the 40 derbies before Simeone arrived, Atletico got three wins against Real Madrid. In the 40 derbies after Simeone arrived at Atletico, and Atletico got the 11. So oh. 
you know, Simone has changed a little bit the events. Let's put it this but way. But the stat that everyone was bounding around going into the game was they'd have one win in 14, and that was when Real Madrid were preparing for the Champions League final and resting players. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, that is... Uh, Obviously, something that has happened in the last three, four years, that's right. for sure. But in the last 10 or 11, and especially when Ancelotti is there at Real Madrid okay. and when Simeone is the coach of Atletico, this thing doesn't apply so much. Okay, uh, But yeah, okay, you can check it out from the long-range uh, vision or from the short-range vision. Okay, mm. So there are, both things are totally compatible. Okay. But Atletico was better, that's for sure. And um, Real Madrid considered three goals from crosses, headers in the box. Uh, some of them didn't look good for the fullbacks because they were too lax and they let uh, Samuel Lino, for example, cross with uh, no opposition whatsoever. And then the centre-backs, especially David Alaba, who made a massive mistake in the second goal of Alvaro Morata. And then after he made the mistake, he started blaming Camavinga because I guess that is very, very easy to blame someone who is 11 years younger than you are. But... Um, I think that Atletico didn't suffer a lot, especially in the second half. I don't remember any heroic moment from uh, Jano Black. And um, Real Madrid has a lot to reflect on because mm. they started the season well, numerically speaking, because they won five games in La Liga, one in the Champions League against Union Berlin. That way, I mean, it was difficult, scrappy for them. But uh, now that Vinicius is not there and Benzema is not there because he's gone, um, Real Madrid is trying to look for new attacking ways. And uh, sometimes it looks like they don't have... Many ideas. When Jose Luis not on the pitch, they have no one to cross the ball to. Right. And uh, from the last four goals that Real Madrid has scored, um, three of them have come from as a derivation from a long, long uh, range shot. It's either Fede Valverde scoring from outside the box or um, Fede Valverde taking a shot against Union Berlin. Mm. Then there is a rebound that Jude Bellingham scores. Yeah. So there are not attacking patterns or attacking ideas at Real Madrid. And Atletico found it very comfortable. Did they have a special plan for Bellingham? Has it been the standout player so far? Special plan for Bellingham? Yeah. I don't think that Atletico had one in particular. I just think that they staffed the middle of the pitch with, uh, number one, three centre-backs, and mm -hmm. then three uh, holding midfielders, who did very well, considering that some of them, I thought that they were gone for football, personally. Uh, Saúl Níguez, after his stint at Chelsea and his comeback to Atletico de Madrid last year, seriously, he looked like a player who was never going to rediscover his best form, and he has done it. Coque is still half injured, and he, he delivered... Uh, the time he was on the pitch. Rodrigo de Paul, world champion, is still not there. Uh, Yannick Carrasco left. Lemar is injured. So I think that Atletico played very well. They staffed the midfield and the middle with plenty of footballers. And since Real Madrid has plenty of midfielders as well, and they were obliged to attack because they were trailing from very early in the game, I think that the, the tactics of Simeone were good. Uh, special mention probably to Tony Cross, a player who has been criticized altogether with Luka Modric uh, because um, some think that they are too old to play, uh, but uh, that is a little bit uh, bogus for me because uh, Luka Modric is way older than uh, Tony Cross. You cannot put them in the same age category. And Tony Cross scored a beautiful goal. And Real Madrid has to improve. And, uh, you know, despite uh, what Real Madrid TV will tell you, uh, because Real Madrid TV uh, sent out a video uh, just yesterday, criticizing the referee for a few decisions that didn't go Real Madrid way, trying to justify the defeat. No one abroad speaks about that. Okay. If anything, people will speak about why Real Madrid doesn't have a proper striker. Should they not okay. just put their goalkeeper up front against Atletico, given that's the way to score? <laughs> uh, well, nice. Yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. that Kepa, I mean, <laughs> number one, we have to question him for uh, his, uh, if he's a proper candidate to uh, replace Thibaut Courtois. I think that he's okay, but Thibaut Courtois looks more agile. Right. But yeah, uh, what Lazio goalkeeper did was unbelievable, really. And Atletico didn't have to face any kind of uh, difficulty like this. Difficulty mm. like this, because no Real Madrid player actually won a proper header in the game. Wow. Morata did that, didn't he? You're talking about people who, players who people were thinking of were finished in the game. Um, plenty of people might have thought that about Alvaro Morata, but what, what a September he's had. A hat trick for Spain. Yeah. And then these, this brace here in the derby. Eight goals in total this season, uh, five goals in La Liga. I think that Simeone is a big fan of Alvaro Morata, and that helps a lot, uh, because uh, Morata knows that he's going to play in the games uh, quite a lot. Correa is definitely the second choice uh, forward, I wouldn't call him a striker. Memphis has been out. And uh, Morata offers a couple of things that Simeone values a lot. Uh, aerial power, number one. 
And then uh, his work ethics are fantastic. I mean, that's why he prefers Morata to Joao Felix, for example, because maybe Joao has more creativity, but the creativity at Atletico is restricted to one man, basically, which is Antoine Griezmann, who was, again, fantastic. I would like to forget to mention Griezmann. And yeah, I mean, he has done well. Alvaro Morata is, uh, if he's not 31 now, he's going to turn 31 this year. He's at the pinnacle of his physical uh, powers, I would say. And, uh, you know, he's a streaky striker. He's a player that sometimes goes through bad patches because I think that he has a tendency to think too much about the mistake he did, the occasion, he ch the chance he missed. But when he is in a good form, we have to say as well, and uh, he scored five goals in La Liga this season. He's been doing very well. Excellent. All right. That defeat for Real Madrid meant that Barcelona moved top after their 3-2 victory over Celta Vigo. Barcelona level on points with Gerona, question mark, exclamation mark. How amazing is this start to the season for them, or is it just one of those uh, scheduling freaks? No, 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 I don't, I don't think so. Of course, we will see now, because they are playing against Villarreal and uh -huh. then against Real Madrid. So oh. that's going to be, the, as we say in Spanish, the cotton test. Mm. Uh, the test They've won five on the spin. The yeah. cotton test? The cotton test. There was a Why litmus cotton? test. I imagine that might be a litmus mm. test, but perhaps... I don't know what a litmus is. That's when you see how the acidic uh, value, the how pH do you say value it? of a substance. No, is no, no, it, no, 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 it's not that. It's, uh, it comes Prova from... Prova del nove. Hmm. There yeah. we go. But where does that come from? It's an acid uh, test, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, acid. Yeah. No, the, acid. The, this case, this is different. Uh, right. well, there was a very, very famous advert in Spanish TV commercial, and uh, basically there was like a butler... Uh, uh -huh. Butler, yeah, that's the word, yeah. I think that's a good word. No, 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 it is, sorry, yeah, yeah. I think that is the right word. Who was going into houses and taking a piece of cotton and just rubbing it on the wall. And if it was dirty, he was chastising the housewife. That was an ad in the 80s, yeah. And it's la prueba del algodón. Did the butler have a name? No, he was the, the, the butler. Okay, okay. just the butler. Uh, like Don. Manuel. Girona yeah. <laughs> now part Javier. of City's football group. Is that part of the reason for their success? Are they getting... Uh, well, no, I, I think that there, there is much more to that. Of course, it helps the fact that they can uh, get players like Savinho, who is 19, and uh, he belongs to already to, to that group. And, uh, you know, Girona is lucky enough to get players like this, very young, still with a great potential. But I think that it's also down to the fact that they are playing in La Liga, and instead of uh, playing uh, in a defensive style and, uh, you know, perhaps uh, advocating for another style of football to stay at the top flight, they think that the right way is uh, playing like this. They attack a lot. They have done a very good recruitment because Chigankov was a fantastic uh, signing as well last winter. Uh, Eric Garcia on loan has proven to be a clever one too because Eric Garcia has a lot to prove to everyone and I think that he's playing like that even though the last weekend he came out limping a little bit and uh, I think that uh, it's no coincidence that Girona is there. I think that no one in Spain will say oh yeah this is just a one-off or this is just something that happened accidentally but it will change very quickly. I don't think that they'll be capable of qualifying for Champions League but they will be contenders definitely to be in the Europa League or the Conference League in a lesser way or in mm. a lesser extent they are a little bit Spanish Brighton in terms of what they are Ooh, doing oh that's a big word it's, it's quite a thing in Spanish football no but, but uh, let me tell you why because I think that for the last 10 years there has been this idea established in Spanish football that since there are financial constraints and now you have that Javier Tebas and his uh, salary caps and all that all the sides think that for them staying in La Liga they'd better defend very well to start with, uh, sometimes to the point of pure speculation during the games and being very cynical as mm. well. And Girona is a breeze of fresh air, really. Excellent. A 5-3 victory over Mallorca on uh, the weekend. And of Barcelona, who Rafa was cooing over in the Champions League last midweek, that 5-0 over uh, Royal Antwerp. I mean, yeah, against... Royal Antwerp. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this game, though, this weekend was rather different. Celta... We're 2-0 up with nine minutes to go. Yeah. Our old friend uh, Rafa Benitez there with, with on, on, his, on course for what would have been a much-needed win. He, he needed it. Mm. Uh, and Rafa Benitez, I would say, that he has been very unlucky with Celta because Celta deserves more points, than, more points than, than they have. They drew with Real Sociedad, then they lost, for example, with Real Madrid after a very controversial decision. And here they had the three points. Uh, it looked like they were going to get them after Dubicas, a joint scorer of the... Eredivisie last uh, year, by the way, scored for Celta. But then uh, Barcelona came back, uh, number one, with um, belief. I think that winning La Liga last season has boosted the ego of Barcelona a little bit and the confidence. And number two, with quality. Again, 
you don't have the Braithwaite, you don't have the Serginho Dest and many more in the team. You have Joao Cancelo, uh, who scored the winning goal. You have Gabi, who is improving a lot. Now he doesn't just resort to his uh, balls and his uh, guts to play, but who also came off the bench resorting. as well. Yeah? Who came off the bench, didn't start. Yeah, he only he, played because the young got injured. Did you see the Cancelo vampire yeah. thing? That, that was, yeah, I, thought that was arti- I thought that was artificial intelligence. I oh. really thought... Uh, no, but it's not, it's not, it's not. Because yeah, I, I didn't see the Cancelo. <laughs> in the interview. Cancelo. He's yeah, doing yeah. a flash interview. Yes. And whilst he's being asked a question, he does right. this thing where his and eyes sort of go in the back of his head and then his top lip lifts up and just reveals these teeth yeah. as though he's a vampire about to strike. Right, yeah. and then, then what happens? He doesn't strike. He's oh, not no, a vampire, just, James. Then um, he continues but, the interview. Maybe the, there yeah. was a bit of garlic involved and the, yeah. the reporter had some maybe in the neck. so, yeah. 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 Who knows? We don't discard anything here. Uh, absolutely uh, that, not. But I thought I'm that I honestly believe that it was artificial intelligence making Cancelo, his face a little bit more hyperbolic. Yeah. yeah. Maybe oh. Joao Cancelo was that person on the plane that that woman saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw that viral video oh, in the summer. Oh, 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 oh. I've just Are watched the Cancelo vampire moment. Yeah. 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 Uncanny, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> Right, anyway. So, uh, Bram Stoker's cancer. Speaking of the, the, him and the other Zhao, the, the Zhao's between them, what an impact they're having. They've scored or assisted eight goals in their first four matches at Barcelona. Yes. And, uh, well, the other day, uh, Joao Cancelo scored the winning goal. Mm. Uh, Joao Felix, um, basically, he did the first actually nice action of Barcelona during the game, just providing that assist for Lewandowski mm. uh, to score the goal that uh, at the time was the 2-1. So Lewandowski as well, he's rediscovering his best form. He has scored five this season. And Jimbo, I know that you are terrified about your Cancelo. Count Cancelo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. There should be a warning on that. But but maybe the Spanish side should yeah. be terrified about uh, yes. what uh, were they Spanish night? strikers yeah. coming. Were, were they playing but, uh, at night? Surely crosses would be a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw Barca signed a new player this week, uh, which was Shane Clivert, another Ooh. another of the Clivert so kids. No, it's, really? it's his first contract. He was already at the club. It's his first well, contract signed. or something. Yeah, yeah. Professional mm. contract. Is yeah. he... Uh, Justin's younger brother or what? Yeah, yeah that's... Yeah. <laughs> usually, that's usually, usually when you have a brother that's older than you, you are the youngest brother. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. say... Four boys, you know? Four boys. Yeah, four boys he has. Yeah, so... He was at PhD before, he was not good enough for us, so we just let him go and then... One of the many kids of footballers who's playing, including... Damien van der Vaart nice. at Ajax. They still mm. they have Ronaldinho's son as well oh, in course, Barcelona. Uh, of course, in Serie A. I mean, there are so many in Serie A. So many. The lesser known is Paolo Montero's kid, who's just joined Juventus, Alfonso. There's hmm. a young Dacor playing, Andrea Dacor, who oh, plays nice. for yeah, Sampdoria. Yeah, his dad was with me in mm. Arsenal on Sunday. Mm. Yeah. And another Chiesa has joined Sampdoria, Lorenzo Chiesa. Lorenzo Chiesa. Yeah. So. All right, that's La Liga with Alvaro. Next up, Jules weighs in on League mm. Hi, everyone. David Ornstein here. And I want to tell you about The Athletic's new bite-sized podcast, The Daily Football Briefing. If you're one of those people who are just too busy for a regular-length podcast in the morning, this is right up your street. In just over 10 minutes, we'll bring you bang up to date with the biggest stories in football, all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. It'll be Matt Slater on a club's ongoing takeover saga, our club experts reflecting on big overnight matches, and let's be honest, me explaining those transfer stories that just won't go away. That's the Daily Football Briefing, every weekday morning, available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. 
The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Oli Kay, and the very best football writers around. Your Sunday night mood class seat. Were you nervous? No, because Marseille were in complete chaos. Well, they were, weren't they? The Pope the, couldn't like, even help them. The Pope and all his prayers, the Mass at the Velodrome, just, no, even that didn't work. Yeah. So a 4-0 victory for, we'll come on to the Marseille madness very, very mm. shortly, but a 4-0 victory for PSG, that's their joint biggest home win ever against L'OM and uh, achieved largely without Kylian Mbappé. Mm. This is the knock who yeah. went off with that angle problem, what, after yeah. about half an hour? After half an hour, yeah, he, he got, Hit on the ankle when he got a free kick that Hakimi scored brilliantly to make it 1-0 after just eight minutes. And then he looked quite uncomfortable. So they took him off more by precaution. He, at recent week, he said it was only a knock. Okay. So he should not be too serious. And hopefully he can, he can play at the weekend. Uh, and then but, you got the trip to Newcastle. And then the trip to Newcastle next week, mm. of course, which is, which is huge. But to win that way yeah. without him... Yeah. With Gonzalo Ramos and, and Colomani playing up front, both scoring their first goals for the club. Ramos had two. Dembele with his first assist as well for the club. Was how very fast good. is Colomani? It's fast, isn't it? At the end, <laughs> yeah, super fast. And how fast is Gonzalo Ramos? Because he, when he scored the fourth goal, he was running all together with his yeah, fast yeah, teammate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's something that we don't and talk Ramos about. Ramos is stronger and yeah. you know bigger than than Colomani. No, it was it was really good. They had eighty percent of the ball, pretty much. Marseille still had a good chance, well, a couple for Vitinha to, to actually score a 1-0. But apart from that, they really did nothing. Uh, Poncho Abardonado, the, uh, the interim manager, tried the back five. The players were not happy because they hardly prepared for it in that formation. They hardly trained like that. And that was hugely disappointing. And, and Luis Enrique said that it was the closest that his, his PSG team had gone to, to total dominance, he said. Good Lord. All right. You mentioned Marseille with an interim manager. Surely they just appointed one in the summer, Marcelino. What's <laughs> happened there, Jules? So since the last time we did the show, which yeah. was last Monday, yeah. uh, on that Monday night, there was a meeting that had been planned for a long time, like often you have between group of supporters, like supporters, official groups and people from the club, except that that meeting didn't really turn out, I think, like the Marseille hierarchy wanted. So you had uh, the ultra saying stuff like, uh, watch out behind your back when you go home at night. Mm. Uh, well, it's nice. Because Cancelo's there. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> Cancelo might be around. Uh, if you're not happy, pack your bag and, you know, uh, F off. Yes. So it was Pablo Longoria, who's the, the president of Marseille. Javier Ribalta, who is the sporting director. Uh, Tessier, who is the sort of like the kind of a CEO, if you want, of the club. Mm. This. So they basically resigned, which is kind of what the... Yeah, the Marcelino resigned. I'll tell you why Longoria didn't resign. Okay. Because there's a clause in his contract that Frank McCourt, the, okay. uh, the owner of Marseille, put, which is that if he, if he resigns from his job or leaves by himself, right. Longoria, he will uh -huh. have to pay back the club every single wage... What is that we say? Every mm, single yeah. wage that he had since uh -huh. he joined in March 2021. And he so signed a contract <laughs> saying that <laughs> no, at Marseille. Man. That's exactly what I thought. Why would you agree Why? to that? If you join in Marseille... So, Three managers in the last four seasons have resigned there. So two and a half years later, if yeah. he wanted to resign because he felt really threatened, right. he would have had to pay back those two and a half years of salaries that the club had paid him. To be so fair. I can like, see why he stayed. In the end, he went like, okay, I'm staying. You know. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah. Pablo's 37 and he's the president of a football club. I think he's okay. Like, you know, I mean, I, I, I always found that quite baffling that a sporting director would be promoted to become president yeah, of the I club. Agree. I agree. I, I, I'm quite baffled by the anger that the fans have. Uh, Marseille have finished in the top three consistently in recent seasons. Yeah. Now. I remember when we used to do the European football show. Do you remember when they wow, were so bad they were playing ago. the Benny Hill theme? Yes, out of the Velodrome? that's right. <laughs> and they had the goats, you know, in the stand. Yeah. But the goats for the, the you know, the, the bad goats. Goats means... Yeah, oh, sure. yeah. Yeah, the yeah. bad ones when you're a bad player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, you could say that they are a bit ungrateful, to be fair. Uh -huh. uh, and I think that Longoria and Ribalta, who both, by the way, went to Italy at some point. I'm, this is not one of the reasons, but I'm just saying. Ex-Juventini. Yeah, both of them, yeah. Paratogy boys. Um, <laughs> it's more the about the power struggle, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And, you know, the, the, the ultras in Marseille run the club like we see in a lot of Italian clubs, especially too. Mm. 
Or Dutch to, clubs. Or, or Dutch French clubs. clubs. In, in yeah. France, really, they're the only one. I mean, Saint-Étienne, to a certain extent, maybe, but they don't have the power that Marseille have. You know, where the what about those crazy sell. Nice guys last year? But Nice, true, they can cause trouble. But again, in terms of power, power. Right. Yeah, yeah. Marseille. Watch out when you go to the boulangerie and all that. <laughs> <laughs> was, I mean, is that what they taught André Villas-Boas? I mean, was I mean, that another no, man? No, there was Jeremy Morel. Remember who, yeah. when he went to the bakery, it was that bad for Marseille. They didn't want to serve him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so but yeah, he was really toxic. How does it clear for for toi? <laughs> Right. Pas de pain au chocolat pour toi. Oh, yeah. um, so he was really toxic. And to right. be fair, they got a point in Ajax in midweek, as we well, saw. So, the, so they lose their manager, what, the day before like, come on, the, Europa League, the Europa League uh, yeah, opener the against Tuesday. Ajax. Yeah, on the Tuesday. They get the 3-3 draw. Yeah, because Ajax are probably in the worst position even. Well, in we'll hear about Ajax very, very shortly. And then mm. they go to Paris. And Abadonado, is a, he was a member of the staff with... Uh, Bielsa and Sampaoli because he speaks Spanish okay. he's played for the club he's called in a classic himself he was an average player but full of green time and that kind of stuff and I, I just think he got it wrong by picking the wrong team and the wrong formation for that game but overall even Pep Guardiola with five days in would not have been able to stop this PSG team that was just it was just too good for them anyway right magnificent it was just marred it's actually marred yeah. by mm. the chanting at the end from the PSG Ultras Selena Gomez was in the stand, Thierry yes. Henry, um, Brooklyn well, Beckham. I, yeah. I, I don't know if they sang it themselves. I'm right. not, I didn't see it at the time. Pharrell Williams, maybe like the tune. It's a tune from a very famous French movie, Le Bronze, called Il y a du soleil et des nanas, so there's sun huh. and, and cheeks. Right. So it's one of the French songs, like the original song, not the one that's been adapted mm. by PSG. It's one of the songs that we don't sing, or Jules doesn't sing before Il y a du soleil we do the uh, Champions League goal show. He doesn't, because... Well, no, I'm, I'm saying before it was adapted, right. Jules would usually... Jules likes to play some French music before yeah. we, we go on do. air. Yeah. yeah. Well, do we all want one? to play French music? We all do. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, so I think mm. there, there will be some, some issues, of course. And then at the end, some of the players also thought it was a good idea to... Join in. Join in and, and insert the Marseillais as a whole. Mm. Everyone can understand so, uh, celebrating a fauna win in Le Classique, but uh, some yeah, of the terminology. Like yeah, you don't want that. Let's talk about Brest then. A 1 0 win over Lyon. Eric Ra, previously sporting director at Watford. Yeah, and, and obviously Sunderland legend. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, Jimbo, I'm, by now I'm surprised you haven't been the sporting director of Watford. I mean, they've had quite a few, have they mm. not? Fair. I'm not that surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. But okay, so if we're not going to talk about Brest, maybe we should talk a little bit about Lyon. Are they going to be the next big French club to go down after no, Bordeaux sure and uh, Saint-Étienne? They're too good. But, Are but they, though? Fabio Grosso, who I know Second you love him bottom. dearly, mm. and obviously won you the World Cup. Oui. To bench Ryan Cherky for your first game when he's been your best player all season, he's not perfect, and of course he doesn't defend much. He's that kind of number 10. Mm. Was not a really smart idea, Fabio, if you're listening. Uh, and on top of that, the lack of creativity without Shirky and Shirky on the bench was so bad that you're thinking, like, okay, maybe you don't really like Shirky completely for whatever reason. Mm. But when your team is that bad and he's your best player and your most creative player, to leave him out is really stupid. Yeah, this would be the time for your beef jerky line. <laughs> Which was a good line. It just came too early. came too early. But yeah, well done to Eric Roy. Right. Uh, man of all trades. Because oui. he was also a very good pundit in France before oh, yeah. taking that job. Mm -hmm. Applying for it and getting the job. They, they, have a very, they have a team that hasn't changed much. Only Satriano, who came on loan from Inter Milan, oh, who was yeah. already on loan before and did well, was the only new player in the starting eleven that beat Lyon at the weekend. And they just that very well-drilled, full of confidence, with a lot of energy and intensity team they, they don't have a superstar or one player that is even a youngster that was amazing they have a couple of under 21 French internationals things like that but it's very much like a collective strength that makes them this good okay let's talk about the team who are going to be facing Brest next and Nice they beat Monaco Nice still unbeaten under the amazing Francesco Farioli and ooh what a lovely goal from Jeremy Boga amazing amazing his first goal for the club Slaloming through the Monaco defense and then a little kind of dummy and then shooting, scoring in the 90th minute to win the derby. Right, after a certain uh, Balogun. Yeah, Florin uh, Balogun, yeah, yeah, who missed two penalties in two the same penalties. game. Saved, we have to say, saved by Marcin Bulka, the Nice 
uh, young Polish goalkeeper who's really good. Ex-PSG. Ex-PSG, of course. Another one like Mariola and Mignon with just a, hey, you know, why, why keeping faith in him when we can get Donnarumma for 10 million a year um, or even 12? But no, no, more seriously, he was very good. They were very good. As we know, Francesco Farioli, I think, gets, gets a lot of good ideas from Jen Fonkastel. They're very close. And he's doing an amazing job. And again, in that game, they wrote their luck, of course, because it's not every game that you're going to save two pens. But they were solid. They were probably the, the better team for most of that derby. And Monaco have been playing really well, and we would praise that he hurt up before and what he's done with his team. But again, they, they concede a late goal. They drop points because of that. And for Nice, I'm not really sure how, how high they can finish, how far they can go. Right. But they will, they will be good this season. Right now, they're looking really comfortable nestling between breasts and PSG. <laughs> I feel you're extending this league on chat. Uh, just for that. Just yeah. to get these We never spent that, long, that much time on Liga before. Okay. We'll move this on. is almost <laughs> as long as Serie A. Is there something we'll wrong? On. We'll move on. Next up, dramatic scenes in the Eredivisie. Hi, Ayoakim Malera here. Listen to me on the Athletic Football Podcast where I've been joined by our Manchester City writers to talk about Rodri, whose three-match ban has us wondering if he's the one player Pep can't dare to lose and how they'll line up without him. Available now on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Just search The Athletic Football Podcast now. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. To the Eredivisie, where Ajax are having a troubled season. Coming into the weekend, they were 14th in the table. There are 18 teams. Are they taking it well in Amsterdam? Not so much. Sunday, Di Classico against Feyenoord. They were 3-0 down in the first half, after which all hell broke loose. Fans throwing flares onto the pitch, attacking the stadium. Mounted police using tear gas to disperse the riot outside. Mikhail Yongsma joins us now. Mikhail, hello. Hello, how are you guys? Very, very well. Yourself? I'm good as well. Good. I'm not, not an Ajax fan, so that, that kind of helps with your well-being in this country, I suppose, given the state of that club at this point. Well, so this weekend, mounted police charging, etc. How bad did it get on Sunday? Pretty bad, and I think most people... Kind of saw it coming as well. There were rumors before the game already that some of the ultras were planning on uh, having the game uh, abandoned at what one point if things would turn really sour in terms of the on-pitch performance. Um, and well, as, as as all of you know, the on-pitch performance wasn't wasn't a vintage Ajax Champions League conquering side at all. It was um, it was basically children against boys and Ajax side trying to. To do well, but uh, yeah, quite quickly being found out by a far superior Feyenoord side, and um, yeah, from that point on, uh, there's the only goal by some of the fans seemed to be to just disrupt the game. Uh, first, uh, a, a, a beer cup was thrown onto the pitch, which is a fairly minor offense, but is something that uh, requires a, a temporary uh, stop of the game these days in the Netherlands. Um, and after that, two, two, uh, up to two times, there was uh, severe fireworks, which resulted in the game being uh, being abandoned with a 3-0 uh, scoreline in favor of Feyenoord and still 35 minutes to go. So, um, yeah, not great at all. And no. as you mentioned afterwards, uh, the stadium under attack, under siege. Um, and the day ended fittingly with the technical director being sacked. This game will be will be continued. The game will be played tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, okay. at two at two p.m. Feyenoord said after the game uh, by by voice of Arne Slot, the head coach, uh, yeah, like there will not be any winners in the situation. Regardless, we we wouldn't like to play the game for the next thirty five minutes, but like goal difference might play a role in the um, in the title r- mm. race and so on and so on. Uh, but Feyenoord in- initially wanted a, just a 3-0 result, get the game over with, that's it. Uh, but uh, the KFB, the Dutch FA, have decided to 
to let the game uh, play out uh, at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. So that's another 35 minutes of misery for Ajax fans, I suppose. Good With Lord. no fans allowed in the stadium, obviously. Up until last season, you'd had 12 campaigns in which they'd been either champions or runners-up. Champions seven times, runners-up the other five. And then third place last season, failing to qualify for the Champions League. And now down, what are they, just a couple of places above the relegation zone. What has happened at Ajax? It's quite incredible. Two years ago, around this time, they were starting a a Champions League campaign in which they won all the group stage matches with a free-flowing football. Everything seemed to to be in place for Ajax to dominate in in a Bayern-esque or PSG-esque fashion. But yeah, I mean, everything has unraveled since then. And I think the the key elements in their success, uh, which were Mark Overmars as a technical director and Erik Ten Hag as as a head coach, have left and they have been unable to uh to to replace that basically which is incredible i mean they've they've looked for options uh and yeah it's a, such a unique club structure uh that is so used to winning and winning in a certain way that there's basically never a, a good candidate to be found to replace these and again like this time so Nislintad came in to to basically be the um successor of Overmars because there have there hasn't really been a successor for a year in that role um and he has taken his own his own style with him and that has gone down pretty pretty poorly in a in an environment that's very peculiar anyway um and the same goes for the head coach situation where uh, Maui Stein who overachieved last season with Sparta Rotterdam did a great job there but quite obviously wasn't or isn't of the caliber to to lead one of uh, one of the more prominent European sides to to a string of league titles and good results and I mean he is still in a job but everyone expects him to 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 be gone by well at least before the end of the year but but I would say uh, in a few weeks uh, as well and yeah, it's quite typical. Ajax are always in this uh, in a position where you feel like they should be the the club that just racks up the league sti- league titles here. It's it's the richest club. It's 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 probably what's well, one of the two biggest clubs in terms of uh, attendance. Uh, but for some reason, they they always ma- manage to make a, yeah make a mess of it uh, after a few years, and that's what's happening now. And it's quite interesting because this season there will be probably will be uh, I think there will be three. Champions League spots, including one for the pre- preliminaries, and Ajax, uh, yeah, are 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 going towards a, a scenario where, where they will be missing out even on third place. So right, more more worried about relegation right now. Down in fourteenth spots, we mentioned ten points behind uh, PSV and Alkmaar, who are both off to perfect starts. You mentioned the broadening of the Champions League places for the Eredivisie. Why is that, Mikhail? Because the Eredivisie loves competing in the Conference League, I suppose. Mm. It, got, it got the Portuguese uh, league president really angry because he felt like people should be rewarded or teams should be rewarded more for the results in the Champions League, and that's not where the Dutch teams have excelled. But yeah, they've they've done really well. I've got a really good set of teams uh, competing in Europe over the last few years with uh, AZ, as you mentioned, uh, who went off off an incredible start in the Eredivisie this season. Uh, doing really well in the Conference League. Feyenoord have 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 reached the final of the Conference League a, uh, a year or so ago. So it's it's it seems like the Dutch football is on the up again, and um, yeah, it's reflecting really well in terms of how uh, how the European spots are being um, are being spread out as well. So great news for Dutch football, and everyone is uh, is is really happy with it, as you can imagine. Absolutely, Mikhail. Great to finish on some good news, and look forward to catching up with you again soon. My pleasure. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Rafa, Bundesliga. Hello, James. Yeah, what's Harry Kane been up to this week? Just the three goals, huh. uh, James. Uh, not enough for a hat-trick. Because? Because in Germany we don't consider it a hat-trick unless you score in the same half and without interruption. The second bit is... is without somebody else scoring a goal in between. Yeah, yeah, that's... I'm not sure that's no longer... That, that's still a part of the official requirements, but... Mm. But it doesn't matter. It's still three goals. Of three course. goals and two assists. And two assists. Um, his combination play with Leroy Sané is really a sight to behold. They're getting to know each other um, better and better. And importantly for Bayern, this was the one game caveat. It was against Farfell Bochum where they actually clicked with a sense of fluidity mm. and kept playing and kept scoring. They won 7-0 and... 
after one or two misgivings, the way that the Man United game panned out with the three goals that it conceded, a clean sheet um, at a very welcome time for, for Thomas Tuchel and his team. Harry Kane now has seven goals in his first five Bundesliga matches. No Bayern player had ever done that. That's better than Miroslav Klose. That's better than Mario Mandzukic. That's better than Gerd Muller. So everyone, James. Yeah. 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 I'm just throwing some names out there for perspective. <laughs> and Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> and him. Yeah. Luka Toni. But Lewandowski did score, did score 10 goals right. in his first five games in 2021. He's already mm. been there for mm. a while at that time. And that's a record that a certain Seru Girassi has now equalized right. for Stuttgart with his two goals in the win against Darmstadt. Worth watching the highlights for because this guy doesn't just score lots of goals. He scores beautiful goals, the Guinea international. The second one, the coolest, most nonchalant finish you can imagine. Made it look so easy the way it chips the keeper. And he is super hot property at the moment. Incredible to think that Stuttgart signed him for just 9 million euros from again. Remarkable. Uh, bargain of the year. I'm just like, how far away are we from a kind of Matsunop, a kind of numero uno, Canaloni, Rigatoni, Lucatoni? Harry's, Harry Sepame. Yeah, there will be sure. Yeah, I, hope, I hope so. That there, I, I really yeah. hope that there'll be a Kane song coming soon. Yeah. No, it's been wonderful. And it's been Alf- absolutely wonderful. Alfonso Davies. Yeah. He is the player he was. Again, I mean, his runs the other day were phenomenal. He was just basically leaving three or four players behind from his own basically corner flag. Yeah. I mean, you have slowly, but hopefully surely from Bayern's perspective, individuals coming back into form. We had last season where almost every single player was somehow off. They had a couple of good games, but then a couple of bad games. Uh, Alfonso Davis was one of them, very inconsistent. All the forwards were not really fully functioning. But yeah, just one or two signs that things are beginning to to click uh, under Tuchel. And uh, they have a cup game on Tuesday night against uh, Preussen Münster. Third division, so that should be a straightforward uh, affair. But then, of course, on Saturday, it's the big one. They travel to RB Leipzig, who, as we heard oh. earlier, won thanks to that Timo Werner goal at Gladbach. Yes, indeed. So they're level on points. Stuttgart, RB Leipzig and Hoffenheim, who are all just one point behind Bayern Munich and uh, Bayer Leverkusen, who themselves had a 4-1 victory over Heidenheim. What a start they've had. We talked about this last week, but it continues. That's now six wins and one draw. 29 goals scored, only six conceded. Good result in Europe as well. And that man, Victor Boniface, he's now on six goals in five. So he's in there as well. Yeah. And again, uh, a real bargain for Leverkusen. They got him from Union Saint-Gloise. You know, in the summer when a lot of teams were looking for number nines and couldn't find any, to see two Bundesliga clubs get players of that caliber in for relatively little money is, uh, is a real compliment, I think, to the work that's, that's being done there in the scouting. I mean, Leverkusen scouting has been fantastic for decades, really, going back to when they had all the Brazilians that then moved on to be Superstars World Cup winners. But um, Boniface seems to be the latest uh, fantastic import that they found. Uh, looks so strong. His movement is good. His finishing could still be better because he missed chances against Heidenheim. But yeah, it makes a massive difference. And uh, James will remember the semi-final against Roma when Leverkusen created lots of chances, especially in Leverkusen and just couldn't quite find the finish. I think with him up front, it looks like the missing piece of the puzzle. All right. Jurassic though. Jurassic. Jurassic Park. (laughs) That's what you wanted. Well, yeah, extraordinary. Amazing. What a, what a title race you've got going on there. Uh, anything else from the Bundesliga? Uh, Dortmund won. Mm. Uh, that's not a given, uh, the way they, they've been going in the, in the league. Uh, Marco Reus, the veteran, rescued them. It was a pretty edgy game, but encouraging in the sense that they didn't concede a lot of chances. Uh, they had a good balance. They were defensively quite strong, and they got the job done without really being yeah, overly convincing on the ball. But it was an important result for Edin Terzic to just uh, have a bit more calm after that pretty poor outing in, uh, in Paris where they 
didn't show anything mm. uh, on the ball. Beaten 2-0. The only other thing I was going to ask was uh, what the reaction was to the 4-3 over Man United. It was quite mixed because Bayern looked as if they should have scored six or seven goals in the second half, but still ended the game having to... Boris, perhaps not the right word, but to having a much closer game than it should have been. And they conceded three goals. And it felt like one of those games that, again, Thomas Tuchel wasn't quite sure what to make of his team. They look good in certain moments. They look good in others. It used to be that last season, as Süddeutsche wrote, they were a little bit unpredictable from game to game. Now, including that Man United game, they looked unpredictable from half to half, perhaps even within the half. But that's another reason why the 7-0 against Bochum was, was important to show, OK, we are moving in the right direction. Not every game is as chaotic. Mm. Um, of course, it was only Bochum mm. who played a little bit like uh, PSV did at Arsenal, uh, pressing everywhere and then leaving huge gaps once you play through that uh, press. The Harry Kane assist for Leroy Sané's goal was absolutely incredible, but he had like... 40 meters of space to right. play through in the center of of, uh, of the four for Bochum defense. So no, it was very encouraging um, for Bayern to change the debate, change the discussion, change the dynamic after that. Man United, not quite sure what to make of it. Okay. Scoreline. And there's no danger of reading too much into a massive seven 0 win against a bottom of the table team, as Roma found out this weekend after <laughs> beating Empoli a week ago seven 0 And this weekend, only managing a draw. It's Romanisti, again. no, you shouldn't read too much into conceding seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what did they do against Sheriff? Sheriff, they won. They won. They won. Yeah. Okay. Big Rome. Great goal as well. Yeah. All right, just City out to go. If that's everything, Raf, we'll move on to Italy next. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. This is The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Batte velocemente Chesney, la porta è vuota, il pallone che va indietro, clamoroso autogol di Gatti, follia della Juventus. Serie A, we're into March on, the Roman side stumble again, they're now both just a point from relegation. And Juve get themselves an extraordinary 4-2 defeat at Sassuolo. Oh my goodness, James, do you want to take us through this? <laughs> Well, Juventus actually started that game quite well. Mm. First 10 minutes, McKennie had a couple of good crossing opportunities, sort of don't take them. And then Lorienté, who's a very good winger. Yeah. Where's he from? Lorient. Uh, Paris, born and bred, of Thank course. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> has this wicked shot yeah. that I think Chesney tries to push behind the goal and it hits his wrist, bounces down, and kind of because the pitch is wet, sort of skips like... It goes under him mm. and into the net. Into the net. Mm. And yeah, Juventus got themselves back into it, not once but twice. Yeah. Because Domenico Berardi, who has a habit, James, of upsetting Max Allegri. Remember, he scored four once uh, for Sassuolo against Allegri's AC Milan, and Allegri got sacked the next day. He scored a lovely goal, and Berardi had spent all summer wanting to go to Juventus. Right. He even told Sassuolo fans this on stage. Mm. 
Yeah, <laughs> but they're like pre-season events. Well, he which... missed the first two games of this season because of the fallout from that. Yeah, yeah because Sassuolo had basically given Juventus a deadline of August 16th, mm. and that passed without Juventus doing anything. And Berardi still wanted to go, and they said, no, I'm really sorry, but you're sticking around. And so, yeah, he missed the first couple of games of the season. Sassuolo missed him. Since he's been back, they've been good. Scored a lovely goal uh, against Juventus. Juventus get back into it and then fall apart again with the most calamitous own goal that um, well, I can first remember in a long Chesney, time. Well, first who, understandable perhaps, the amount of whip on the Lorienté yeah. shot, the first one, that, that he wasn't able to get his hands correctly positioned, but then parrying the second shot into the path of uh, Pinamonti, yeah. who made it 3-2, and then, and then Federico Gatti. <laughs> yeah, Freddie Katz, uh, who... <laughs> Freddie Katz, who'd like basically agreed to sign a new contract this week, so I can imagine he went into this mm. game full of yeah. full of confidence. He and passed back to Chesney, only Chesney wasn't there. Chesney wasn't there. And some people blame Chesney for this, and I suppose on the one hand, Chesney makes no effort to kind of get back into his goal after passing it to Gatti, and then Gatti plays this reverse pass, which is just terrible. On the very little pressure as well. There's yeah. like a an easy pass for him to go to Danilo. And yeah, Juventus lose for the first time this season, uh, 4-2. Uh, Allegri said after the game that they were too uh, farfalina. Mm. It's like uh, butterflies sort of swirling around their, their heads mm. during the game. He, he'd already warned in his pre-game press conference that there was too much euphoria around Juventus. Italian football is big on two things over the last decade. There's suffer ball, okay. you know, which we have from Conte. And then the other thing is, oh, we've won two or three games. There's too, I, I can feel there's too much euphoria around this team. I think anyone who's spent a lot of time in Turin knows that they don't really do euphoria. But, yeah, he kind of saw it coming, was unable to, to stop the defeat happening. And... And yeah, you know, goes to show that the middle class in Serie not to be messed around with, you know, yeah. even though you can have a, an off day like Juventus did where ultimately their errors more than Sassuolo being good is what cost them uh, the game. But no easy games in Serie James. This Absolutely is, not. You know? Absolutely not. Uh, Juve now five points off the top of the table alongside the remarkable Fiorentina. Napoli have slipped down to seventh after their goalless draw in Bologna, it was a quiet weekend for goals, although Di Marco did provide an absolute stunner oh, in Inter's victory away so at good. Empoli. Oh, just gorgeous. So, so good, man. Di Marco! Splendido col sinistro all'incrocio! Federico Di Marco! Il vantaggio dell'Inter! It's all about the technique on that, because he lifts the ball. It's like a kind of, uh, there's a perfect kind of golf shot out of the bunker or something. It's like he Rather, hits it, it's like a snooker, a billiard yes. shot, but in midair. Yeah. Just the way it like... And it keeps powers. rising yeah. with no backspin. Lovely. Magnificent. Yeah. Mm. And Inter will win this league by between 8 and 12 points. Yeah, they should have scored 4 in that game. They're facing Sassuolo on Wednesday, midweek round. That's okay. going to be an interesting that game. Be Curse yeah. them yeah. right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, all eyes are really on... Uh, well, we should talk about Lecce well, as well. Well, that's what we're yeah. to next because on Tuesday, this evening as we record, mm. Juve will be taking on Lecce. Lecce, who are ahead of them in the table and remain unbeaten. Or as they've been baptised, James, mm. in, in Italy, Lecester. Oh, nice. <laughs> Le because, right, Chester. Oh, Leicester. Leicester. Oh, right, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> but they've been the revelation of the season so far. Mm. They've won all of their home games. They yeah. came back and beat Lazio on the first game of the season. Um, and they won again on Friday night against a newly promoted uh, Genoa. And Genoa were down to 10 men for an hour. But uh, yeah, um, youngest team in Serie A. Wage bill is 15 and a half million, which is like an average player at PSG. And yeah, Corvino, Corvino sporting director, gems, yeah. finding gems like the new Montenegrin striker, Nikola Kristovic. And Roberto De Verso, who got Parma promoted from Serie C to B to A, kept them in A. Uh, and then Parma decided to get rid of him before Karl Kraus took over the club and then took the club down to Serie B. <laughs> um, De Verso doing a good job. It was the first recipient of the coach of the 
the month award uh, in Syria. So, yeah. Clever bird, that's Corvino. <laughs> nice. All the French influence on Lecce, you know? <laughs> Loads of French players there. Yeah. Lecce, I remember having a pretty strong start last season as well before mm -hmm. finishing up uh, a couple of places above relegation. Is this more sustainable? I think so. I mean, sustainable is the right word, James, because as I mentioned, their wage bill is tiny. Mm. Um, and one of the backers at Lecce kind of withdrew just as they got promoted. And, and so they've had to cobble together the funds. And Corvino luckily was able to find a player who was playing in, I think, Austria, a Danish guy who they sold to Sporting, Morten Schulmund. Yeah. Um, 20 million. They bought him for 150k or something. Crazy. Yeah. So that's allowed him to go into the market and reinvest. Um, but all of their signings, are, I think Kristovic is the most expensive one at like 3.8 million. So I think it is sustainable. They were a really good uh, pressing team, really good defensively last year. But that was under Marco Baroni, who's now with Hellas Verona. So change of coach. But Daversa usually kept Palmer up pretty comfortably. And they were able to work the loan market at Palmer really well. They had Bastoni on loan. They had Kulusevski on loan, who became the young player of the year. Um, it's a little bit different at Lecce in terms of their approach because they don't really do loans. But uh, so far, this is best ever start, James. Mm, remarkable. They've beaten Lazio. They've drawn away in Florence. What will they do in Turin? Well, you'll probably know this, listener, because that's Tuesday evening. But uh, we'll see if they can continue that when we return next Tuesday or actually Monday, because I think next week we can do an early show ahead of the Champions, Champions League fixtures. Is everyone's OK with that? So should be with you, listeners, slightly earlier next week. For now, though, I think that's it for our European Roundup. Many thanks to Alvaro Romeo, James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Julian Aran, Rachel and Charlie in the booth and you, listener with the ears. Thanks ever so much. Have a great week. We'll catch up with you next week. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.